We are back. It's uh, Tim Wilshire. Uh, this is from the Resort Podcast, episode number 13. And yes, uh, we haven't done an episode for the last couple of months. Uh, been, uh, yeah, lots of things have been happening in the last couple of months. Been traveling to Brisbane and back, but uh, we're back. And hopefully this week we'll probably kick on with a few more episodes. Uh, and first uh, episode uh, today, uh, back from a while, uh, it's uh, Phil Wilson, who's a current candidate to run for a vacancy here in the Queen's Town Lakes and District Council. Uh, Phil is a retired lawyer, obviously um, very well known around the Queenstown uh, Lakes area. Welcome along to the podcast, Phil. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much for being, uh, I guess, a guest in this returning run. Uh, I guess where we like to start off these podcasts, Phil, is uh, basically let us know uh, whereabouts were you born and where did you sort of grow up early in life? Okay. Uh, I was born in Dunedin, 1952, and um, uh, spent my early years in the uh, northeast valley area of Dunedin, but uh, moved to Mosgill as a teenager, and um, uh, there uh, was really uh, my formative years that I like to think of. Uh, so, to tell the audience, where, where exactly is Mosgill in relation okay. to Dunedin? Mosgill's um, about 10 k's out of Dunedin. Um, it's now really a suburb of Dunedin. Yeah, it just uh, grows. Yes, it used to have its own council, Mosgill Borough Council, but now it's all part of the Dunedin City Council and there's a great uh, motorway that connects the, the two and uh, a lot of people commute, um, as I did, and um, for a number of years. And uh, yeah, it's a good place to, to grow up. I played rugby for the Tyree Rugby Club and had... Uh, Wonderful years uh, playing there. Mm. Uh, the club's a very strong club in the Dunedin competition, still going well. It's mm. uh, won the banner a few times in the last few years. So very proud of, uh, of that. And um, I moved to Queenstown uh, in 1981. So, still, so you're there for a while then? Yes. Yes. So, what was family life like growing up? Did you have sort of many brothers and sisters, and what, were you, what did your parents do? Yes, um, my father was factory manager at a tannery in Green Island, and um, uh, I have one brother and two sisters, and um, we um, we used to holiday in Queenstown quite regularly. Uh, my father was a keen boatie, mm. and uh, he <coughs> built built his own boat, and um, and we used to bring it up to Queenstown and and I spent um, a good part of my youth holidays uh, here in Queenstown and that kindled the, the desire to live here and I was always keen to live here. I think it does for a lot of people that, you know, if you, they, you obviously if you don't come from, you're not born here, but you, you come here on holidays, you just want to keep coming back for more holidays until such time as you... You know, one day you move here. Yes, the lifestyle is is great. I mean, you you work hard, play hard in Queenstown, but there's plenty of playing to be done. There's there's sport and there's recreation. There's <coughs> walks. There's biking. We all know what what the wonderful attractions of the town are for for those of us who are lucky enough to live here. Mm. So rugby uh, union, I guess. Yes, playing up. Oh, sorry, growing up. Um, and a, and a bit of playing up. Yeah. A bit of playing up. <laughs> Can you remember what, uh, as a teenager, what your first job might have been? What was your first job that you had? Well, I left school and uh, went to university. My intention was to... Uh, was it Otago? Or? Yes, Otago, yeah. yeah. Uh, study uh, law. And um, 
I um, I was into about my second year when I was offered a very attractive job um, running a, um, a home decorating store um, through a mutual friend of, of my club, of my parents and um, uh, he offered me ten thousand dollars a year and now I mean for a lot of money back in those for days. a poor student who just bought his first house and and had uh, one baby <laughs> it was a lot of money so um, uh, I took that job on the condition that I could study part time mm. so um, he was a very uh, interesting boss uh, Jack Morshus of Jack's Hardware and um, we we began a, a, a relationship that, that spanned 11 years um, and during that time I used to study uh, go to lectures uh, before work, an eight o'clock lecture or a lunchtime lecture or an after work lecture. So the two jobs worked quite well together, um, studying and, and working. And um, um, we eventually moved into the first Mitre 10 store in Dunedin and we opened that in Anderson's Bay and that took off. It really did take off and that was the mid to late 70s but by 80, 80 and 81 I was hankering my boss to open a, a branch in Queenstown so that I could come here and run it. Had three children by that stage and one day he um, came back to, to, the, to the firm and uh, said I've been to Queenstown, I've found a shop, uh, if you're still keen we'll do it. So that was uh, my first um, uh, job in Queenstown was running the, the first Mitre 10 shop here, which was just a little shop in Athol Street, where the Targa Daily Times and Mountain Scene offices are at the moment. So just across the road, basically. Yes, yeah. yes. I've spent a lot of my life in Athol Street, and that'll come to light as we go through this. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that was 81, and um, that business expanded, and... Um, my boss bought a, a timber business down in an industrial place. So um, I ended up going down there and running that and uh, I got a friend of mine, Bruce Hogan, to, to run the hardware store. So that was good times, very good times. Those are the days where, you know, you could take a day, day off and sneak up the mountain and, and uh, go skiing and we, we, we really did have a great a great lifestyle. So, um, uh, yeah, so that was uh, through to 86. And in 86, I really had a, a desire to uh, go into business for myself. And um, although my first preference was to buy the Mitre 10 store off, uh, off Jack, yeah. that quite did, didn't quite eventuate. <laughs> and, um, and so I went into business with... Um, Alan Brown, who's still in town, and, and Jack Enright, who um, had an electronics store um, just through the alleyway, so backing onto Athol Street, as I mentioned, um, yeah. and that little alleyway that joins the car park there. I think, yeah, I mean, 80s, the 80s, were, you know, electronics stores were quite big in, in the 80s, weren't they? I mean, well, yeah. yes, it was a real growth period um, uh, compact discs and uh, yeah. 
video recorders and uh, all those fixing TVs. Yes, fixing TVs. And then we branched into whiteware as well, mm. and opened a um, a video shop as well for the video shop. Video, okay. yeah, video that was big too. Rentals, yes. So we had um, quite a stretch of Camp Street from from the alleyway through to where it's just being uh, refurbished to become a McDonald's. Um, and um, on the other side of the alleyway, I opened a, a little business. Um, uh, called Wilson's Homeware, and um, so that um, that ran along uh, separately to the to the electrical business, but um, it was uh, was it just a what, nice the homeware, but the sort of homeware back then is it sort of reminiscent of what, what are we sort of talking about specifically? What sort of homeware are you selling? Kitchenware, glassware, yeah. Yeah. plastics, yeah, okay, uh, mm-hmm. those sort of things. It's only a fairly small store. Yeah, um, yeah. it's the crystals shop at the moment. So, mm. yeah, um, you can picture that. Uh, not a very big store, but it was a. It complemented the business we had on the other side of the alleyway, and um, and then in the late eighties we got into mobile phones, and of course we all know how that business took off and um, in the early 90s um, we made a decision to um, to close down the uh, electrical uh, side of the business white wear and brown goods um, mainly because there was huge competition coming yeah. from the dis- big discounters yeah. like, like the Noel Emings and mm. Smith City and the large stores and they were knocking us about. So the independent retailer in that business was struggling. But the mobile phone business was going exceptionally well. So it was my intention to carry on with that and the homeware store. And uh, while we were having a closing down sale for the um, appliance court store, as it was known, um, I raced across to McDonald's um, on the ground floor of O'Connell's uh, to get a quick bite to eat, and uh, who should tap me on the shoulder but uh, Walter Rutherford, a, a partner in Anderson Lloyd, a law firm. And um, Walter said, uh, what are you going to be doing if you're shutting down the, the, the electrical business? And I said, oh, well, concentrate on mobile phones and things like that. Mm. And um, he said, well, what about coming and practising law? And uh, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I had actually qualified in 83 and got my degree, but I really did enjoy the retail side of things, so I I hadn't made moves to to get into law. And by that stage, um, we we had a a fairly hefty mortgage and five children. We'd had two more by that stage. So it's not sort of changing career at age 40 isn't sort of um, something you take lightly. So I pondered over this for a couple of days, rang Walter and asked if he was having me on. No, he said, I'm serious. So um, one thing led to another and I I, um, began uh, working for Anderson Lloyd in, in 1993. We had a small office uh, in the mall uh, on the uh, first floor of um, um, just next to what was the Britannia restaurant in those days. So 
Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, by that stage, I, I was on council. I, um, I stood for council in 92 and um, um, remained on council to 95. However, in our law office of, uh, it's only about uh, five lawyers, mm. um, another um, partner in, in, in Anderson Lloyd was also on council, that's Warwick Goldsmith. And uh, with two of us out of the office so much, in those days we were writing the district plan and there was meeting after meeting after meeting. Mm. So I soon learned from the partnership that um, they'd be quite happy if I didn't stand at the at the next election. So I I opted not to and uh, uh, carried on at uh, Anderson Lloyd mm. uh, until two thousand and two, when I had a chat to Alan Harper. A partner in uh, Arthur Watson Savage, as uh, AWS was known in those days, and he told me they were keen to open an office in Queenstown. And having opened hardware stores before <laughs> and setting them up, um, I thought, well, here's a nice challenge that I could really take by the throat and give it a good crack. So um, I uh, took the position with uh, Arthur Watson Savage as a partner um, in the uh, Queenstown office, which we also opened in Athol Street. <laughs> so for a small street uh, in a relatively small town as it was, uh, Athol Street's paid a big part in my life. So we opened an office um, in Athol Street and um, uh, that was 2002 and then in 2005 um, when uh, the building we're in now, the Forge building was, uh, yeah. was being built, we took a lease of uh, offices on the uh, second floor there. So the forge building that we're in right here right now, how long has this been here for, this building? Uh, it's about uh, 16, no, maybe 15 years coming up. Yeah, it's yeah. about 5 or 6, 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah. Yes, or maybe 2004, 2005. Yeah. I think we were well in here in 2005. So, okay. Um, yes, very comfortable. Uh, offices as yep. you can see. <laughs> so uh, no, we've been here ever since and um, I reached uh, 65 in um, 2018 roughly and um, and stayed on till I retired last year yep. in 2020. So with the law, your law career, did you sort of specialise in any, any anything in particular, or is it just sort of um, is what was what was your I guess part of law that you liked the most? Yes, well, Queenstown being Queenstown and being a commercial town, yes, so many uh, self-employed people and yeah. uh, property, of course, yes, features highly. Um, the the law practice that we that we developed um, both at Anderson Lloyd I might add as well and and AWS uh, is really a commercial practice 
is what you'd generally call it. I um, I did uh, a, a bit of court work uh, in the early days, um, uh, but didn't 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 specialise, and then I made it an option not to continue with court work, leave that to the specialists and um, and continue with the commercial side of law. So we do uh, a lot of um, company, uh, corporate, uh, commercial type work, um, business lending, leasing, a lot of small business work in Queenstown um, and property. Uh, yeah. especially, you know, subdivisions and um, the, the buying and selling of property, of course, is, is very common. So, yes, we, we had a, a good commercial practice here. Yeah. Now, I sort of read a bit, and um, I think what sort of sticks it out a little bit about your career going from retail into, into law and, and all the different uh, stuff there is that... You're, you you obviously present yourself well in the and you obviously got some sort of sales skills. You can able to communicate with people and you're able to sort of be able to I guess uh, deal with anybody at any different level. So how did that sort of um, sort of going in your law career been? I mean, did you obviously meet a lot of people around the town and and, be, and obviously know everything what was going on being a small town like Queenstown? Yes, yes. The the. Uh, experience I gained through uh, um, retailing did uh, stand uh, me in good stead for my law career. I might add too that my legal knowledge stood me in very good stead when I was retailing as well. Yeah. So um, the beauty of a law degree is that it does um, you, it does teach you a, a lot of different aspects of, of business. Um, so when I got into law, I found that people who had been buying in fridges and, and washing machines and, and videos and things like that off me, uh, came to me. And uh, obviously there was an element of trust there, and yes. um, uh, I ended up being their lawyer. And, and it was a very, very satisfying um, part of my career. Um, you know, when you walk down the street and, and people say, oh, that TV you sold me still going. It's a really great TV. And, oh, by the way, it um, might be time for me to do my will, you know. So, yes. so you know, it, 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 the, the two meshed nicely. And, and mm. Queenstown was just the right sort of size to to do that. I, I, I don't imagine it would work so well in a big city, but um, when Queenstown was only... 5,000 people tops, I think, yeah. in the 80s. Um, it did work well, and, and you felt like you knew most people mm. in town, and they knew you, and um, if, you, if you had their uh, trust, um, then uh, you, you could just about do anything for them. Yeah, so I guess you, you're obviously entrusted uh, to sort of open up the office here, AWS, as I said, back um, you know, 17 years ago, or whatever it was, 18 years ago. Uh, I guess how do you sort of go about building a, a, a team here in Queenstown like that? That because um, obviously you're starting out, you obviously know a few people, but what what's the sort of process you sort of went through to, I guess, build things up over the years here? But you know, obviously until you retired. But um, yes, yeah. Well, um, for a start, uh, there was just myself and the receptionist. Yeah, yeah. And then um, 
uh, one of the legal execs um, who had left um, Anderson Lord, Lloyd before I left uh, actually approached me and said, do you need a legal exec? Oh, yes, definitely. So Kay Edwards uh, joined us. And then um, uh, Daryl Gunn, who uh, wanted to uh, specialise in immigration, um, he joined us. And um, we had the, the advantage of having the backup of a fairly large office in Invercargill, the Arthur Watson Savage mothership, as we refer to the firm in Invercargill, being head office. And so we... Uh, had people, uh, lawyers, um, some newly qualified, etc., who had done some time down there, and then they would come up and join us in Queenstown. So it 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 wasn't too difficult to um, to get staff through those means, mm. and so we built up a, a really good team. Um, you know, the team now sits at around ten, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, it's. Uh, it's a great practice and um, uh, pretty well respected law firm in Queenstown. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, fairly well known. Uh, if you obviously know anybody, that, that's for sure. Um, so, I guess one of the things that uh, we obviously met for the first time last week at, uh, at a charity auction, um, which was run by the Queenstown Rotary Club, which I've been a member of since last September when I moved. but. Um, uh, obviously, you're you're sort of looking at uh, going back into the council. Tell us a bit about uh, obviously retirement late last year. After the you know st- we're still in a sort of uh, a different situation with with the pandemic, and then deciding to is a, is a vacancy available? Tell me about the council uh, thing. Right. Well, um, as far as retirement goes, the 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 lockdown that we that we had uh, in March April. May last year um, was a good practice for me for retirement and, and for Ella and I to um, realise what it's like to to be uh, under each other's feet, so to speak, all day, every day. Um, but um, I really enjoyed it, and um, so that clinched the decision to definitely retire. Um, and then. Um, uh, we we got through um, the start of this year, and um, when I heard John McDonald was unfortunately retiring, and I have a, a lot of respect for John and the work he's done on the, on the council, um, I was very sorry to see him retiring, and um, I had had thoughts of standing at the next full election anyway. So when the uh, possibility of a by election came. Up, I pricked my ears up, made some inquiries, and um, was very delighted to to um, be nominated by Ian Edgar and um, and Kay Parker. So um, uh, I decided I would run um, and um, give it give it a crack. Um, I've had a long history of service to the community through the Lions. Through you, the, you were president of the Lions Club at one point. I was, yes, yeah. The Lions, been in Lions now for about 38 years. Uh, the Rugby Club, um, St Joseph's School and Church, um, uh, the Fire Brigade, 
Um, yeah, that's, but, have you seen the new facility? The, yes, fantastic. Out, isn't it? Uh, the list goes on and on, and um, I was very proud to, to receive a, um, a Heart of the Districts Award from uh, Vanessa Van Uden when she was mayor. And um, that, that was um, that's great. But I've always wanted to get back to council, having been there in the 90s. Um, yeah. It wasn't a, an option, really, when I was working full-time. I just couldn't have done justice to both. So I've left it till now. I have the time. I have the experience. And I believe I have the skills to offer good governance uh, on this council. Definitely. So tell us about when. When is the by-election? Is there an actual date that's set? Right. Or? It's a postal vote, and so pa- it runs on a postal vote. Yes. Yeah. Papers come out on the twentieth of May. Yep. So it's only a bit over a week away. Yeah. Um, and everyone should have their papers by the twenty-fifth of May. It closes on the eleventh of June, so all votes uh, need to be back to the council by the eleventh of June. And the um, uh, election result will be announced on the 16th of June. Yeah. And uh, so how many... Can- is it? It's obviously one position we're talking about. Yes. And uh, how many candidates are going for it? Well, on the voting paper, you'll see three candidates. Yeah. But um, Emily Rutherford uh, has decided not to proceed, but... She cannot actually withdraw. Once you've put your nomination in and it's been approved, um, you can't uh, withdraw. So Emily's uh, name will be on the paper along with myself and Esther Whitehead. Um, But Emily uh, has said that she won't take the job even if she did get it. So Mm. um, uh, basically it's a two-horse race between myself and Esther Whitehead. Mm. Okay. That's, well, certainly, um, I hope that all goes well, and I do hope you obviously get in. I mean, Thank you. Obviously, um, but you know, you've obviously got this in mind, and you know, made a big effort to be able to. to it's, it's, a, it's obviously a big responsibility to be able to um, to take this now after after your storied career. Um, so, Queen, I mean, obviously, Queenstown is just one of those places that um, it, it's just beautiful. You know, to and obviously we say, say this a lot. Uh, how beautiful the place is and you know it's a bit of a small town and you've had the tourists before um what are the i guess the activities that you enjoy the most uh or what are the things that you enjoy the most about uh queenstown or this area in particular well as i mentioned early on it's um it's a wonderful lifestyle mm. um whether you enjoy golf or whether you enjoy hiking or skiing or boating or fishing <laughs> Uh, just about uh, nothing you can't do here Um, my main uh, pastimes outside of work um, uh, well family plays a big part of of that as you can imagine with five children and now uh, six grandchildren Um, uh, but boating and fishing uh, as I mentioned also earlier um, my father used to bring me up here and with his boat, and we we always loved boating on on Lake Wakata and um, fishing, and so that still play, plays a major part in, in my recreational pursuits, uh, water skiing and um, 
And, so you still uh, use water skiing? Those sort of things, yes. Wow. Yes, very limited these days. I, I like to drive the boat more. Yeah, I would too, yeah. <laughs> and have the grandchildren on behind. So, um, mm. so that's all good fun. Um, but uh, my, my other time is, well, Lions takes up a, a bit of time. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Um, so how many, with the Lions Club, how many sort of members have you got um, There's about forty members. Forty, okay, yes. still decent. Yeah, yes. Very decent. Yes, yeah, it is, and it's a good club, and I've uh, been in it for many years. And in fact, um, we're having our fiftieth anniversary this year. So, if there's any, is there a date claimer for that? Past lines, uh, yes, I think it's the sixth of November. Okay, um, it's our fiftieth anniversary, and. Um, uh, if there's any past lions listening, we'd we'd love to uh, hear from them. Uh, get in touch with myself or Charlie Reed, or just look up um, Lions Queenstown and uh, mm. make contact. Would be great. But uh, mm. I know there are a lot of um, uh, guys around Queenstown who are past members of Lions. So, so five children. Um, have they sort of do they all still live close by, or some of them? Any of them moved away from the South Island? Yes, yes. Um, the the eldest and the youngest uh, still live here. Yep. Uh, Amy, my eldest daughter, mm-hmm. uh, she um, she works for Jim Bolt, the mayor. Funnily enough, there you go. And um, she uh, is president of Aratown Rugby Club, uh, which is a a bit of. Um, family rivalry given that I'm past president of Wakatipu Rugby Club um, and uh, she's recently been um, uh, elected to the Otago Rugby Union as a director mm. um, to provide a bit of uh, input there so um, that's very good. My second daughter Lauren is a teacher at Columba College in Dunedin and um, more than just a teacher she's a head of senior school there so she's got a fairly big job and she's a past um, assistant coach of the steel netball team so she's had um, a very busy life uh, with uh, netball and uh, two teenage children who play um, all sorts of sports so um, uh, they're a busy household. My eldest uh, son Tim he lives in Auckland And he's still playing cricket. He plays for Cornwall up there and uh, has been club captain for a number of years. Uh, the next boy, Reed, he lives in Hong Kong. Uh, he and his wife are PE teachers. And um, they've been in Hong Kong for about seven years. And um, uh, we haven't seen much of them, of course, over the last 18 months. It's been pretty hard. But we keep in touch regularly with um, FaceTime and all those wonderful electronic devices that uh, we can see see the grandchildren and and, uh, you almost feel like you're there. Mm. And we're hoping that um, uh, the the restrictions due to COVID will Mm. be relaxed in time for them to come out for Christmas. Mm. Then my youngest, uh, Quinn, is uh, still here. Uh, he's got the paraflight business which operates off the end of the wharf, the main town pier and um, he and his business partner um, run that business and they've got a, a good little business, seven days a week weather permitting and um, mm. they've managed to 
keep their heads above water, <laughs> well yeah. above being a paraflight. Um, <laughs> um, throughout the COVID crisis, and um, they're uh, they're going quite well. So very proud of them all. No, you sound like you're very proud of all, all the children, and that just gives you, I guess, a bit of a picture of you know five different kids and. You know, most of the three of them are still on the South Island, one guy in Auckland and one, one up in Hong Kong. So it's a good sort of, uh, I guess, diverse, you know, you've got, you've got enough, yeah. enough of them close by as well. It makes, yeah. makes it, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad there's sort of this, certainly that um, you've got some close by, which is really, really good. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, family is, is very important and uh, we do love keeping in touch with each other. Yeah, especially when Wakata plays Aratown. <laughs> we stand on different sides of the paddock, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's the game that matters. So, um, proud to say that Wagga won the last encounter. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, what What else? Any other sort of uh, hobbies or anything else that you'd like the audience to know about what you get up to? Or well, sort of cover off on a fair bit of ground. Anyone who knows me knows that. One of my passions, other than my dear wife, Ella, <laughs> is horse racing. And oh, yes, horse racing. I've read about that. Yes. Thoroughbred racing yeah, in course. particular. So um, I'm lucky enough to own shares in two local gallopers. Uh, when I say local, they're, uh, they're owned uh, locally and uh, trained uh, near Dunedin, Wingatui track. And... Um, they uh, they've given us a lot of thrills. We've with these ones we've won about five races, and uh, and this winter coming up because they're winter gallopers, they like it wet. Um, we hope to win a few more. So um, their names are Slammer and Shaker. And you might say, what are those names? How do you get names like that? But they're out of a mare called Agavero, which is a, a brand of tequila. So tequila Slammer. Yeah, and then when Shaker, yeah. who's a full brother, mm. uh, was foaled, and we tried to think of a name, we said, "Well, we should keep that theme going," so we called him Shaker. <laughs> <laughs> so Slammer and Shaker, they're they're uh, they're um, very fond uh, family pets. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more expensive, but uh, yeah. than a dog or a cat, but they're a lot of fun and. Um, Four of us who've got shares in them travel round to the races, yeah. Christchurch South, and have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what do you think the future of the Queensland Lakes District district actually looks like going forward? Let's say, well, where do you think this what this place looks like in ten years' time, or this, you know, the next decade? Right. I mean, <laughs> is, is tourism is it going to still be a, a tourism destination? Do you think, or do you think it'll something else will happen? It will come back, Tim. Uh, it will come back. How long it will take, uh, I don't know. But now we have the, the opportunity to reset. Yeah. And, and we really uh, should take stock of where we were at before COVID and where we want to be post-COVID. And um, I spent time as a director of Destination Queenstown and... When I stepped down from that board, I made a recommendation to the incoming board that DQ starts looking at destination management as opposed to just development. Uh, 
not just marketing. Do we need more and more and more tourists? No. I think we need tourists that we do get. We need to ensure that they have an excellent experience. Mm. And, you know, the, the government has, has come to the council's aid and, and, and given us money for the by, bypass road, the arterial route, and, and the upgrade of the CBD in Queenstown. And that uh, will all help. Um, and um, I'm really keen uh, to push destination management as opposed to just destination marketing. The airport is a hot topic, and I'm a firm believer that the airport should stay where it is. Um, the, the local community has spoken loudly and clearly uh, in that it, it does not want any increase in the air noise boundaries, and I support that. Um, I made the same submission myself. So we've got to learn to cope with the airport traffic, uh, air traffic, and of course road traffic as well, um, in a better way and uh, ensure that the, the Queenstown is not only a wonderful uh, resort to visit, but it's a, it's a wonderful place to live as well. So, yeah, some stuff that might be coming in the future. What, what, what do you think about um, the Lakeview um, development? That right. It's called the Lakeview, is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, that's the old Queenstown camping ground mm. uh, on the top of uh, Man Street. Um, it's, it's more development. It, it, it's mm. going to be shops, uh, houses, um, a real mixture of place and the um, the it's pushing the CBD out a bit further. A, a bit further, yeah. It's about the only direction it can go in is up there. Um, uh, it's a constrained area and um, house, surrounded by housing, but um, the council has seen fit to to sell off uh, part of the camping ground and, and liquidate. Uh, that um, they've attracted a, a um, pretty reputable um, developer from Australia, mm -hmm. and um, I look forward to that development with interest. Having said that, I am also a very firm believer in retaining camping grounds. Um, so very pleased to see that part of the camping ground is being retained, and very pleased to see that the camp at Frankton uh, will be returned to being a camping ground uh, rather than permanent uh, houses as, as we've seen there for, for quite a few years. So, um, yeah, look forward with with great deal of interest um, and, and of course I'd love to get on council to be part of that um, decision-making uh, body um, regarding uh, what we do in the future and the, what the next 10 years should look like. But yes, my main um, thing is, is destination management mm. and um, in making this, um, as I say, wonderful place to visit and a wonderful place to live. Mm. No, definitely. That's certainly got some, it's good to see some, some good clear goals there You know, for um, getting on the council on what you want to achieve. You know, during that tenure, when you know, uh, obviously wish you all the best with that. 
Thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, if there's anything else that uh, you wanted to cover off on, I think that's probably a good opportunity to, if we haven't, if we missed some ground somewhere, I think we covered off pretty well what uh, has been, you know, a very, I guess, storied career, um, lots of different experiences, you know, um, the retail, the law, council, and council again, mobile phones, um, <laughs> electronics, yeah. might attend. Uh, if you if you were to think uh, one one question I probably should ask is you've spoken about probably quite a few different people I guess in in this um, that have, you've sort of uh, looked at different opportunities at different times what stands out the most to you as a person that, that you looked up to as a mentor or, or something like that growing up um, the person that readily comes to mind is the person who got me into law Walter Rutherford. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to uh, and still do refer to him as my mentor. Yes, um, an excellent man, an excellent lawyer, um, and a very good friend. And uh, um, he attended my retirement party, and um, I said to him, "You were first on the list." <laughs> <laughs> so yes, if if I had to put it in a nutshell, Walter is. Uh, is the man that is he uh, just, he's still local at the moment? Or, or he, he lives between here and Dunedin. He's yeah. got he's got a place in Dunedin and uh, and a place here. So uh, we yeah. see, we see a little bit of him, and he's now retired as well. So mm. I hope to see a bit more of him. So uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, person who stands out. And uh, yes, it's been a wonderful career. Or mixture of careers. Yeah, well, that's, um, that makes it more interesting. I mean, doing the same thing for forty or fifty years or whatever it is it might be it'd be a lot different. Uh, there might be some stories in there, no doubt. But uh, having a different mix of experiences um, that certainly is you know makes for very interesting you know things that happen. Um, as far as travelling away from here, I mean, have you you obviously been to, you've probably been to Hong Kong, to obviously. Um, other parts of the world that stick out to you? Anything else that sort of sticks out as far as a, a travel destination for you? Well, um, I haven't travelled a heck of a lot. I never did the uh, the OE as it's known. Mm. Um, and um, but I will say that we we organised a trip in 2019. So thank God it was just pre-COVID, uh, and we took um, uh, seven or eight weeks uh, in total which incorporated a, a cruise. So friends of ours uh, were keen to do a cruise and we were keen to do a cruise, so the four of us decided we'd go to do a cruise. Then someone else found out about it and said, oh, we'd like to come. So, oh, come along. But someone else found come along. There was 27 of us on that cruise. Wow, where so, did this cruise go? So that was a fantastic experience. Um, sailed from Venice oh, wow. around the Mediterranean and ended up in Barcelona. So, um, so that as a travel experience uh, would have to be the highlight. Um, but we also had three three weeks in uh, the UK prior to that, and that was my first trip to the UK, mm. uh, and uh, a couple of weeks in the Greek islands on the back end of the trip. So that sounds like a really good trip. It know. was. Yeah, I'm glad you got to do that. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Excellent. No, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you uh, for episode number 13. Today is the 11th of May 2021. This has been Phil uh, Wilson, who we all wish all the best in the uh, for that vacant uh, 
seat on the council. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Phil. Thank you, Tim, for the opportunity to do this podcast with you. And uh, we'll get it out there or um, share it to whatever networks. I might email you a, a copy of where you can find it online. Hopefully, it might even be up. We'll be at 24 hours or so. It should be up. So That'll be great. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you.